0: on this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not reflect the views or endorsement of any entity. Nothing being said on this podcast should be considered as investment advice. Derek is affiliated with Collab Plus Currency and may hold positions in assets discussed in this episode. Always conduct your own research and consult with a financial advisor before making
1: any investment decisions. GMGM everyone. Welcome to another episode of 100 Proof. I'm Kevin Rose. I am joined today by none other than Derek Edwards at Derek D.W. at Derek E.D.W.S. on Twitter. <laughs> I, we're, how's it like episode 100? We're still screwing dude, these up. We're running on fumes right now is why. I know. Uh, it's I know. Uh, dude, this, the, the industry that never sleeps. And we got, of course, uh, Sam as well at Punk9059. Number one, Blur Farmer. Yes, sir. Uh,
2: Got my thirty <laughs> he's, points. Let's
1: he's go. earning right now. He's earning, folks. Watch out. He'll get you. He'll dump on you. Um, I'm a little wacky. It's Friday, y'all. Like I'm. I'm kind of. I'm kind of. Uh, it's been a crazy couple of weeks.
0: It wa- just nuts. like totally wild. Totally. I mean, um, God, dude. It feels like every time we do these shows, uh, we're all different people because like. Everything has changed so much since the last time we caught up. But this week in particular, it feels like seismic changes happening everywhere around the world. Things are going crazy. Uh,
1: and here we are just finding time to talk about JPEGs. I know. It's, it's good to be with, with you guys during this chaos. And the, I got to say, though, Sam's Twitter account is depressing. Like he's, <laughs> he, he, you tweet out these things where it's like there's only 30,000 active like JPEG buyers right now, or is it 30,000?
2: <laughs> that was probably aggressive. I didn't need to, well, it was aggressive? Probably aggressive. I didn't, I didn't need you to You think know the that. number was aggressive? It, you know, it's hard because I only have daily kind of ETH buyers, you know, which is probably about half that. So then the question is how many more Solana, you know, Tez, other JPEG buyers are there out there. But it was, I wasn't so much saying like, this is small. It's just kind of putting it relative to Instagram for a company that is down, you know, for those who don't know, I tweeted something about why Instagram probably uh, decided to sunset kind of their, their NFT project. You know, and I just showed a chart that showed 2 billion Instagram users and 30,000 daily uh, NFT buyers. It's just in, in a time where they're cutting their, their workforce, you would think that some of the things that are more long term projects might be the stuff that they would focus on later.
1: I just don't see how if you're you're Instagram and you're thinking of ways like, if anything, your ad revenue model is all screwed up. It's, you know, it's with Apple doing all the privacy controls. Why would you not leave a team of, let's call it 10 people in place just to continue to iterate and explore this opportunity? It makes no sense to me.
0: Yeah. yeah, Uh, I mean, I would be shocked if they didn't. I mean, I know that's the public facing um, like, you know, press release news that they want to like put out to the world, like, Hey, we're focusing on other things right now. But like, I would personally be shocked if they've completely scrapped the entire team thinking about how digital objects are going to, you know, play a role in like their platform for the future. I, the truth is, is the meta product, like this Instagram product just wasn't quite right. Like it wasn't, it's almost like, um, they put something out into the internet, uh, they didn't really know why people are buying or owning or like what the provenance is of collecting or why certain communities are interesting versus others. And I think they put together the product under, you know, the limited research that, that they had done about how they may be able to shoehorn in their core product into something that was happening in this edge of the internet. And it just never felt quite right. And I think it would be a mistake to take the the learnings that they've Learned or like the response or the feedback that they've gotten from that product, and extrapolate it across the entire opportunity. Because the truth is, is like they just didn't get it right, and they're gonna need to think deeply about how they actually want to play a role in this in this uh, ecosystem in the future. That maybe comes from first principles and doesn't just try to, you know, slap ownership of digital objects onto an existing UI.
1: When you say they didn't get it right, like, I had a chance to play around with just a a little bit of it. And then I saw a few drops that actually just sold out relatively quickly. Um, Do you think they gave it enough of a a chance? Like, I I didn't see it fail. Like, getting it not right to me means, like, oh, you pushed it hard and no one was using it, right? Like, I felt like it was still pretty limited in scope and size.
0: I think they – so, it it – Tell me if this sounds right, but I think they were they had some amazing artists lined up to do drops on that platform denominated mm. in dollars but you could connect with your your ethereum wallet to actually own the objects but it was artists like Rafik and Drifter and Micah Johnson um, and folks that I think command a premium in our space um, and I guess when I say they didn't do it quite right I think the where I like just like kind of getting an understanding of what they were trying to do and how they were trying to perform. I guess there's so much more interesting stuff to me. I mean, Instagram is a social product and the way that they were approaching it was, we want to rent extract from the sale of an object instead of like thinking about actually, how can we use this, like the social component of this space to create a product that's actually way more interesting or in line with the fact that Instagram itself is a very social product instead of jumping straight for how do we monetize the sale of goods? And I think that's what I mean by they didn't quite get it right. Like anybody can create a marketplace and use their distribution for artists to sell work. I think the innovative stuff that you can start to do around communities or around ownership or around composability or around the social graph, none of that stuff was really explored by one of the largest social companies in the world. And so this is where I was just left kind of scratching my head. Like they kind of played around in the sandbox a bit. They got some feedback and then they jumped ship, which to me, I just like, that's not the approach I would have taken.
1: Yeah, same. I think that the huge miss here in my mind is that you have this massive platform of people that are creating content. Um, Stop treating it. they, they, They went hard on the art market and I think they should have gone a lot harder on the kind of just general collectible special moment market, which is a lot more akin to kind of like, I don't know, maybe maybe baseball cards or, or something that like, if, if like, for example, if LeBron, you know, breaks his record, right. Uh-huh. And he did, he took that record he, you know a few weeks back and, and he he's um, now the all time scorer. If there's a moment where LeBron posts an Instagram and says, Hey, like, you know, this is the Jersey I got in the or whatever. It's like some celebration of that moment. That is a special Instagram moment. And he says, by the way, there's 10,000 NFTs yeah. for my fans associated with this special moment you know, they're 20 bucks a piece, you can pay with USD and just have fun and there'll be a secondary market for it. Like that would just, just that would sell out in seconds and they could just totally. you know, enable that feature for these people to create these ownable moments. And I, I, I think that is way more interesting than saying, hey, let's put fine art on here where, where you're expecting someone to pull out a credit card and spend 20 grand on something. Like, you know, yes. it's it's that it seemed weird to me.
0: Definitely a product mismatch with like what their core offerings or their core network has been. Exists around. And so I don't see the Instagram being pulling away NFTs as anything more than they just didn't like understand this stuff and they don't understand what's interesting about this stuff. And they didn't really have leadership inside the organization to say, hey, let's actually think about this from a different lens. Maybe it doesn't quite look like monetization up front. And it leans into some of the things that you're describing, Kevin, which is. What are you know, the largest accounts doing day-to-day? How are they engaging with their audience? Can they actually create these moments of interaction uh, around some of that stuff? Which to me would have been a much more compelling try and, and thoughtfulness around how, to, how Instagram could play in Web3. The, the,
2: the two things that jump out to me first of all, I'm like, Derek, you're using the word like they monetize and monetize. My guess is that Instagram made no money off this. Like I like, it was so negligible, you know, the the amount of sales they did. Like, I don't think this was about them trying to make money. I think it was about them fitting into the model that already exists and not being innovative and thinking outside the box as far as how this model that already exists, that OpenSea and Blur and whoever are doing really well. Like that's probably not something that you're going to do very well, right? You have a totally different strength set. Like why, you know, and then, but the second thing, and this is, Something that I, I think happened a lot in twenty twenty two and twenty twenty one is there's there's so much buzz, so much money, so much interest in this space, you know, around the creator community, around certain demographics, that people are like, oh, like we have it all, let's get involved. But there are so few experts in the space, and there's so few pe- few people who realize how hard it is to build this and be committed to it over the long term. How to get people educated, how to deal with security and all that stuff. And I think a lot of people came in without a kind of understanding what they were getting into and how much work it would take. And then B, not bringing on the people on board, you know, the, the few hundred people who truly understand what has made NFTs work. You know, I think of like, like Adidas is one example of a company that I think did decently well. And, you know, G money was there from day one. You know, they had somebody mm-hmm. who was like deep on the inside of understanding this space. You know and I'm just thinking? Man, it would have been awesome if Instagram got Derek on their team, got someone like, you know, got the right people, you know the Kevin's the, the the people of the world, and I think a lot of these teams like hired an agency. I have no idea what Instagram did, so I don't want to say anything out, out out of place here. But I have seen a lot of other projects where they just hire an agency, and they're like, okay, like Lord of the Rings, we're gonna go make an NFT, and then that agency moves on to their next project, and then nothing becomes of it because this is a slog. It takes a long time to make this stuff work and to build this market. You know, and I think, uh, I, I, I to your point, Derek, they just didn't. It doesn't feel like. All of that came together. Although they did have some, as you said, some very reputable artists, and I'm sure right. they had great people on the team. But th- those are some of the thoughts that come to mind when I think of a lot of these sunsets we're seeing uh, from people. Hey, Guardians Sam, of- when you
1: when you when you said Lord of the Rings, was that that drop that had the really long fingernails? What was the one that got it all wrong? They had the 3D renderings with the long fingernails. Yeah, I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about? It was Lord, I think Lord of the Game Rings. Game of Thrones, I think. No, yeah. Game no, of Thrones. no, it was game, of Thrones. game of Thrones. That's what they it was. both did. God, one. I want to own that one so bad now. It's like it's like getting that misprint baseball card or something with the like really long fingernails. Like it was it was so it's creepy, was awesome at the same time. <laughs> Not
2: the Kevin so Rose, good. the Kevin. Whatever. I love that little
1: Kevin guy.
0: Yeah,
2: I, mean, I can't
1: that. remember
0: what that game was called, but yeah, the uh, Kevin meme is is uh, one for the ages for sure. It is. Love that. All right, so um, let's let's move on to the Beeple mm-hmm. event. Dude, so massive amounts of FOMO from me seeing all of the videos and photos come in over the weekend. While um, also while like there was, we were in the middle of like this banking crisis and this USDC DPEG, There was like this complete on the opposite side of the the spectrum. This amazing event that was happening at People's New Warehouse. What the heck was going on over there? It looked like (sighs) it looked amazing. Tell us, I mean, walk us through.
2: It looked it's a little like bit Marfa. like Marfa. Well, I mean, in Marfa... It was Marfa, nothing like
1: Marfa, you guys. <laughs> it was nothing like Marfa. No, but what
2: was like Marfa was that Marfa happened the day FTX went bankrupt. Right. You know, yes. and we're oh, all sitting okay. there in Texas with art people and, like, it was just this great event of people being relaxed. But I imagine maybe there's some of that vibe where the world outside is imploding. Just oh, like dude. it was, like, the day of Marfa that FTX went bankrupt. But yeah, go on. Oh, my
1: God. SVB, I was like... I, I, we, You know, Derek, you and I were on the phone. We were talking about this. Like, we have... It's it's so hard to explain to people uh, outside of of the Bay Area or outside of California like how big they were because like most people are like I've never heard of this bank before like why would you ever trust them with your money and it's like you don't understand this is the 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 banking like the the, the kingmaker like the one that like supported Facebook in the early days and Twitter like everybody used SVB it was just like yeah. such a household name. And so intertwined into the fabric of everything that startups do. So it was like, um, yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was a crazy few days. But anyway, I almost bailed on that because of SBV, but I'm like, I can't. I already promised, you know, people that I would go and I wanted to go because you know, he's gonna throw something crazy. Might as well mm. at least have a crazy night and and go out and have fun. And uh yeah, I got there and everything about it was weird and amazing. And so people like just so he's so creative. Look at, so check this out. So this is his um, wristband for getting in to the, to the actual event. And he was kind enough to to upgrade me to a VIP uh, wristband. So on the outside says, uh, people Studios, and then in the text next to it, and you don't even notice this, right? Because they're put on your wrist, and you walk mm-hmm. in the event. So it's not till the ne- he knew the next day you're when gonna you're like taking look at the off wristband. The bracelet, you're looking you're at taking it, taking off yeah. the next day, right? So it says, "Okay, wow, very important person. Please do not murder." <laughs> <laughs> That's what it says on on the on the outside of it. That's awesome. And then on the inside of it, when you flip it over, it goes, "I honestly really don't think you'll need to worry." I would say there's a very low chance he will be murdered at this event, but I wouldn't take this off. Like that's like
0: people's wristbands. <laughs> Those little touches, man. He's a uh, little touch. He's little so, murder touches. so good at the details.
1: Oh, so yeah. So you walk in and it's just a massive, massive space and he's got all of his art up on the wall. And it's like, it's beautiful. And it kind of walks you through the history of things that he's created. And his everydays are in this, you know, massive room. And then they open up this back space. And it's like just nothing but video displays, like wrap around 360. Every single wall, every single inch is a display that's talking to each other that can basically send a graphic all the way around the room if it wants to, right? Mm. And so in 360, which is just insane. And then, so it's starting to get packed. They have a DJ playing, the music's good, like everything's happening. There's like an open bar, like it's a lot of fun. And then, like, weird stuff starts happening. And you're like, oh, whoa, there's Elon Musk. Mm. And 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 then it has got like a security detail, you know, around him. And you're like, oh, that's crazy, Elon's here. And then you're like, wait a second, there's another Elon Musk. Amazing. And you realize that he's hired professional makeup artists to go and create like fake Elon Musk's. And then you start to see like people, and you see like other there's other people's. So mm. so check this out. This is like multiple people's all hanging out. So he's got like. Fake Damn, that's so awesome! How cre- how realistic do those look? It's insane! Wow! <laughs> which one is the real people here? None of those are. Oh my god! That- <laughs> yeah, those are all, all fakes. And it was just it, it was just crazy. And it was but it was so uh, it was just nutty. It was, so he designed an everyday there, um, which was fantastic. And then he did a live airdrop where actually out of the ceiling. Um, here I'll show you here. I have the actual video here. Um, I can pull it up. There was actual an airdrop. So we had printers. Um, look at, there's another Kim, Kim, Kim Jong, uh, uh, makeup that was done. Yeah. At the, uh, at the actual event. Um, just, just nuts. But he did actual laser printers mounted on the roof. And then look at that. So the people are trying to grab these printouts as they're flying down. So real physical airdrops. And then, what like, was, one what in, was it like? I mean, were just people mobbing each other trying to get these oh, things? Oh, 100%. Like, someone pushed my wife, like, someone home oh, pushed geez. targets, like, <laughs> grab a paper. <laughs> it was just chaos, but it was like, no one was too aggressive. It was it was just a lot of fun. And it was, but his creativity was like, I mean, you can see it here. Like, you got the, oh, he had fake Mark Zuckerbergs walking around. And it was just like, it, you have to go visit this place at some point. The next time they do. An yeah, event. Definitely. It is well worth the trip. Charleston's a cute little town. Like it was just absolutely crazy.
0: Did I see was there was he basically revolving around artists display? So like I saw a DK yes. exhibition, I saw a Chromie Squiggle exhibition. I think I saw some other like what was the deal there? Yeah,
1: so basically, he he would take all these artist submissions mm-hmm. and said, "Hey, if you submit your artwork, I'll display it if I like it." Mm. And so, um, he went and selected. I'd say there were probably twenty or so artists, something like that. And about every forty-five seconds or so, would switch to a new artist, and Very the art cool. would just take over the entire room, right? And the, dude, when Chromey Squiggles came up, so I was I was like watching all these artists. Some of them I had never heard of before. I'm like, oh damn, I got to ask later who like who are all the ones he features because there were some really cool ones there. And when uh, Crummy Squiggles came up, it was the only one where everyone applauded. Damn! Everyone started cheering. Let's go! When, when, it just goes to show you how like how many people love Eric. You know, it's like was, they were just cheering so when the awesome. Crummy Squiggles was Eric, came up. Was Eric in attendance? Did, uh, did
0: Snow go?
1: Yeah, he did. Oh, yeah, nice. he was there. That's awesome.
0: Good moment yeah, for him. Then. He, That's great.
1: So he was doing a really cool thing. I, I saw him, and um, uh, I have it up here on my I, I wall. One second, let me just pull this down for you. You guys keep talking.
2: It is kind of wild how Eric and how 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 Chromie Squiggles have just been completely non-controversial. Like when when I think of punks and the ebbs and flows in public opinion of CryptoPunks and John and Matt, you know, and then you mm. look at Bored Apes and the ebbs and flow of public opinion, like everyone just loves Chromie Squiggles.
1: Yeah. Dude, check this out. So this, what he did is he brought a Polaroid kind of printout with him, like machine, and then you could tell him. In real time. Oh, my God. What? what, what Does he pull it up would, on his you, phone, then take... Uh, he pulled it up on his phone. Oh, this is cool. And then he typed in the number, and it printed out with his little wireless printer as he was walking around. And then he would sign it, and that little QR code at the bottom that actually takes you to the Squiggle. So,
0: so cool. So basically, you're so getting cool. uh, your Squiggle Assigned, with a QR yes. code that takes you to your Squiggle signed by Eric on a Polaroid that was
1: taken in front yes. of you. Yes. Dude, I want one of those. That's sweet. It was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> wow. it was a really really brilliant idea. It was fun. So, you know, I think I, the, the it was a fantastic vibe um seeing people doing everyday of course was just amazing and um yeah, if he does another one next year, highly highly recommend y'all make it out cuz it was uh it was great.
0: Yeah, these like these sneaky little NFT events like the Beeple one or Marfa, like these are becoming like go-tos, I feel like. And I'm yeah. I mean, this is a, I I'm regretting kicking myself. I was chatting with um Scott Beeple's brother about heading out there and I just couldn't make it work this weekend. But I'm already kicking myself because it feels like this is going straight to the top of my list for next year. It it sounded yeah. and looked like an amazing event.
1: It was really cool. Just to see his creativity applied to every aspect of it. Like the bathrooms were nuts. I'm not even gonna say what was in there, but they're very it got more disturbing when you went into the restrooms. Like there was like his mind was plastered over everything in there. It was so crazy. Awesome.
0: Very cool. Should we kick it to uh, Should we kick it to some of the other other stuff on the uh, agenda for today?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, we 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 covered SVB. I know we were going to touch on that briefly. Um, glad that is done, would, and we can move on. It would be cool to, to chat about.
0: Um, I mean, like Kevin, you and I were catching up yesterday, and it was like we were both exhausted. It's been a long week, uh, <laughs> yeah. and I feel like nothing embodies the, like the last couple of weeks, like what's going on with doodles right now. Uh, yeah. so do you actually, Sam, do you want to kick us off and
1: kind of like talk about state of play of what's going on over there? And then we can kind of jump in with our thoughts. And, and I, I also, I'd love to hear about like the socks thing. Cause I don't know. Cause I think the socks was what kicked this off and I, I don't know much about it. So Sam, do you know much about the socks? I, I don't know. the
2: I don't know the sock specific story. To be honest, I can
1: tell, I can
0: say what the sock story is. I've been, I've been messing around with the product a bit. So essentially, um, and then Sam, I'll let you pick it up. Um, the doodles team, when they migrated the Ethereum project to flow and they didn't, um, totally migrate it, but you were allowed to unbundle your doodle with a box and it would appear in flow as like this disaggregated bundle of objects. Um, what ended up happening was there was a marketplace called Gaia G A I A. That allowed you to buy and trade and sell the unbundled components of what was in your box that was paired with the doodle, and so there's this market that is now formed on the Flow blockchain on the Gaia marketplace, and there's all sorts of cool stuff. There's socks. There's the coffee helmets with the you know the uh, price action on the goggles, like the VR goggles. There's uh, all of the traits that were on the doodle's characters to begin with. These have all been unbundled and now exist as like component NFTs. Uh, inside on the Flow blockchain. And one of the traits is socks. And there's like, I think 10 different types of socks. There's some white socks with yellow stripes. There's white socks with blue stripes. There's white socks with green stripes. There's hologram and holographic socks. There's super duper holographic socks. I think there's 10 different types of socks within the project that exists today. And uh, Doodles made an announcement that said, And I think it was really just to get people excited about what's going on over in this new marketplace where all these unbundled units exist. They said, they tweeted, if you buy or own all 10 of the different types of sock traits, by this date, you will be airdropped a gold pair of socks in like the new Doodles universe. And so it was kind of like this fun growth marketing kind of a way to get people acclimated with, you know, spending time on the Flow blockchain and starting to collect some of the stuff that's going on over there. Um, And so that kind of tees up today's conversation. So Sam, do you want to take it away?
2: Sure. I mean, I don't know how that fits in, but I know that there was a lot of, I mean, there's just been frustration. I think, I think there, there are two things at play, you know, one is that there's been frustration that the floor price is going down and, you know, I and, a lot of projects have had floor prices go down recently, but Doodle certainly has. And then the second thing is, I think Jordan Castro, you know, the 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 founder of the project, has a little bit of a confrontational nature at times. You know, he can get caught. He's not like doing the PR school type of thing to do in some of these situations where you know someone where he'll be. People are upset about the floor, and he says, "Well, just sell your NFTs." You know, he's not he's not leading with like. The, the empathy sometimes that I think you want to in these situations. And, you know, I just kind of got caught with a couple. Lines on on Discord. One, where he says, like, we're not an NFT project anymore. Two, where someone was complaining, like, asked him to buy his NFTs. And he said, like, why don't you just floor them and leave? You know, kind of very And he, and he said things on Twitter before, like, I'm going to spend, I'm going to devote this year uh, to attacking the fudders, you know? And, it, and I think that that confrontational message met with the floor price going down has just created this kind of vicious cycle of misinterpretation and, you know, virality around things things that are yeah in some ways out of context, but in some ways just kind of reflect not really being quite as thoughtful with everything you put into writing. I don't know that that's kind of my read on it, but uh, Derek, tell me what, tell me what I might be missing. I there. think,
0: I think you hit it. And I think it all kind of came to a head when he was going back and forth with the community member. Um, this was a few days ago, a few nights ago, it was late at night. It was very clear. Uh, I've just gone through the transcripts a bit, So just kind of like trying to get a sense of what happened. Um, but he was going back and forth with a community member that was kind of like really on his case and poopy wrote, um, floor it and GTFO. Or in other words, like sell your doodle and get the fuck out. And that was like the, I think the, the final straw and that comment alone, um, I think symbolized a lot of the frustration that I think the tension between the community and the project that Sam is bringing up, uh, and it basically just led to, um, Just a lot of vocal disappointment about how the project has been communicating, what the initiatives of the project have been, the tension between the original holders of the doodles and the ambition of where the team wants to take the project. Um, And it all kind of just came to a head with that, with that comment. And uh, we saw just um, kind of a a big, big swelling of disappointment around, um, around doodles. Uh, Kevin, what are your, I mean... You're the leader of a, you know, of a community project uh, in this space. Uh, You've been, you've had highs, you've had lows, you've had all sorts of, I mean, you're building, I don't, I don't know if people realize like how hard you and the team work day to day. I mean, there's more than 30 of you guys at this point, all of you spend all of your time weekends waking up super early in the morning to build value and create products. And these things take months if not years to like you know come to fruition i guess like yeah. what's your perspective seeing how this is going down with the, the doodles project as a as someone who understands this stuff quite well
1: yeah i think that um if you're if you're listening to this you, you kind of have to remember that we should always consider all sides of the equation here so i think it on the collector side it's it's really challenging. And then we've said this before, the NFTs in general are challenging because you have collectors that have entered your project at all different places and they have different expectations, um, you know, for what, what that means to them, both like, like with, in terms of saving face, in terms of financially, like there's a thousand different things that, that come along with that. And you know you, you i've had people that like you know have given me hugs at meetups because we talked about Fidenza's early and they bought a few you know like things like that and or that you know are stoked that they got it into the Moonbirds mint floor or the mint price right and then you have people that bought at the absolute highs and so you have a bunch of emotions that are unfolding as as the market is taking turns right and so that can unfold in discord and that leads to some really you know powerful um intense conversations that can go south. Right. And so if you're a founder in there and you're kind of working your ass off and you're seeing all this, you're, um, you're really stressed, you know, you're really, really stressed because it's, it's like, you don't want, you don't obviously you don't want, you want your project to succeed. You want to continue to build a great thing that people will be proud of, proud to hold, proud to own, proud to represent as their PFP. Like, these are all things that you naturally internally want, but we're, we're in a new environment that we've just never seen before. And that is one where we build in the public. And we build in the public and we're scrutinized in real time. And the expectations are count, are really in weeks, not, not months or years. And so if you think about how traditional companies uh, build you know, the apples of the world, the bigs, like they come out, you know, Apple does an event like twice a year and then they goes, chill, they shut the doors and they go back to work. Right. And they, 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 and so when they come out, it's completely buttoned up and it's a big announcement and everyone says, okay, I'm either going to buy it or I'm not. And that, that's what they put forward. Right. And that's, that's the typical cycle for a company is like you get to um, shut the door and go inside and, and and just crank on things for a few months and that's not the case so much with Web three because we, because of Discord and because of Twitter, you have a a channel and an expectation of communication with your audience that is much more real time in nature. And so, you know, when I read this, I, I see I see what you know he he did have this post where he's saying we're no longer an NFT project. That that's a hard one to swallow if you're an NFT project. Um, but, he, but he said that uh, you know we're not looking to to build in public anymore and and few this feel that that speculation and so you know i i i can i feel where he's coming from in the in the building public piece um so i i definitely know that this feels to me very much like it came from a place of being just insanely stressed out you know i feel like it was just like somebody that um had been hit over and over and and just said you know fuck it like like you know Get out of here if you're not the right people for this community. You know, it was like kind of like so that's what it felt like to me. Um, you know, he did come back and apologize and said I, I didn't show up the best that 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 in that particular way. You know, he said I'll take this one as an L uh, in a follow up tweet. So you know, I listen. I don't want to. I, I'm I I think that doodles in general. Um, you know, I, I've always respected their community and their art. And I thought it was always a great project. So I'm, I'm rooting for them. You know, I don't, I don't ever want to see anyone fail in this space. And so I, I would very much like to see uh, hopefully the, the right people rally and champion this project and take it to the next level, you know. But I also know how frustrating it is to have that real-time feed coming at you, you know. And it's not easy in these markets.
0: Sam, what do you think – and Kevin, really well said. Um, Sam, I'm curious, like – do you think some of uh, I guess like if you were going to um if you were going to talk about some of the factors that you're seeing maybe more on the market structure side that could be affecting also some of the spirit around what Kevin's describing just from like a community perspective, I guess how would you how do you think about that in relation to kind of where we're at, the macro setup, maybe some of the structural things happening inside of NFTs that maybe are making some of the emotional response to projects a little bit more aggravated during a a period like this?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that one of the things that Kevin didn't touch on, but is a big piece of this is that you have this constant price scoreboard of sorts, you know, and I think that's why a lot of teams say, like to say things that I think is frustrating for holders, like we can't focus on floor price. But, at the, you know, and I think holders get frustrated by that because a lot of, you know, most holders want to see the prices go up. And that's kind of one of the reasons that they're here. And they think it's a decent gauge of feedback. But, it, you know, with Apple, with all these other companies, yes, you have your stock price, but your stock price is reflective of cash flows and how well your business is doing and earnings and revenue, which has a certain stability over time. Whereas in NFTs, your price is literally a reflection of how good is your product and your brand and your team make people feel, you know, and, or who are the buyers and sellers and these random things. So I think there is, there is that misalignment a little bit with kind of like the long-term working with the fact that there is all this constant stimulus and feedback that the holders are getting. I think one thing that's happening now, you know, is, they're all in this is just a very new market dynamic for us you know the volumes are through the roof you know it's if you actually look at the amount of nfts that are trading uh you know we're seeing more nfts traded than than almost ever before and that's because of all the airdrop farming that's going on on blur but what's also happening here and i kind of I think when season two started for 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 Blur, which was in the middle of February, you had all these people who wanted to bid on NFTs because bidding on NFTs was how you got points. And you know, Blur, Blur had just dropped hundreds of thousands of dollars to people. Some people got over a million dollars and there was a renewed set of interest in Blur airdrop farming. All these bids were kind of all over the market. And we had a couple of weeks where I think the market was really held up really, really well. And I think what was happening under the surface there is that long term holders or people who maybe held three doodles, three clones, three moonbirds were like, yeah, maybe I only want to own one. And I have all these people bidding. And you started to see a fair number of people who started selling NFTs into those airdrop farmers. And I think what's happened over the couple of weeks is that the airdrop community, the farming community, like, They got long, but there was enough liquidity that you could just sell it to the next guy and it was never that big of an issue. But over the past couple of weeks, we've started to see the airdrop farmers be like, whoa, we're longer than we want to be and they've just been dumping in pretty big size and there hasn't really been anyone on the other side. So in, in one day, like after the SVB news, you know, one person sold 499 Moonbirds. you know, to put it in perspective, the most before airdrop farming, the most anyone had ever sold in one day was less than 50. Uh, I actually think it was less than 30. Like they, they, you, they, there was no one who was dealing in anywhere near this size. And then suddenly you had one guy come in and sell 500 in one day. We just so, had
1: some. Sam, who eats that on the other side? Like well, the, obviously there's not like, it's just. No other farmers.
2: I, I think that the, one of the big misperceptions out there is the idea that this is amazing. Like this is being like you can do these and get out right away. You know what's what's really happening is other airdrop farmers farmers buy them and then they ultimately have to unload. You know, not, not like with with the 500 sales of moodbirds, two people bought 200. Uh, and neither of them wanted to hold, you know, so it takes weeks for for that supply to actually come into the market. And, and you mm-hmm. know, that was on a Saturday and the floor price has gone down pretty steadily since then. Um, with the Bored Apes, for example, Machi Big Brother, you know, and Mando and OSF sold 78 in one bid. Machi Big Brother bought them all and we celebrated. I celebrated on my show. This is incredible. Someone just sold 78 Bored Apes and the floor didn't move. Well, one week later or three days later, the floor went to 58. It went down 20 ETH and basically you know, one day because the person who bought those 78 really was not a real buyer. And Is that so, still the
1: case today or did it bounce back?
2: It went, it never got back up to 78, but it went down to like fifty eight, sixty. kind of bounced back to 70. Now it's like at 65. Um, so sometimes this stuff can get absorbed. You know, 21 punks were sold into a bidder just a few days ago. And, you know, the guys who end up with this supply know enough to not dump onto the market. Like if you're long 200 moonbirds, the last thing you want to do is give the market the impression you're selling. So they normally will wait and delay a few days. And then eventually, you know, you might see the sales. Someone sold 500 VV checks yesterday. You know, that was the most checks that were ever sold in one day. Now, we've seen people buy and sell 300 at a time. We haven't seen someone sell 500 with zero intention of buying anymore. You know, and that's kind of what we're, we've seen a few of these instances in the past days. So I just think you're seeing an acceleration and maybe this is just late, like maybe a few weeks ago, people didn't, people had three doodles, but only wanted one, you know, but they didn't really have anywhere to sell. Well, now all of that kind of latent sentiment that was like, ah, maybe I'd sell, maybe I won't like, oh, I have all these bids, I'll sell them. Maybe that sentiment is now kind of coming to a head. Cause I think we're kind of riffling through the system and people are actually like, realizing that the long-term buyers for these 10,000 PFP projects in this moment, like aren't always there.
1: So Sam, what, what are the, what are the metrics you look at? Like, is there any way to do a little X-ray on some of these projects and say, you know, X, what percentage of the overall collection is held by farmers or is going into, you know, is, is seeing farming action. Um, And then also, you know, what does the blur price, mean for the future of farming? Meaning like if the blur price tanks, will they just start increasing the rewards to kind of make it the same? Like what what do we see there? Like how how stable is blur farming into the future? Like do you do you believe this is going to stay around for the next couple of years? Is this something that kind of churns out over the next, you know, three months? Like what, where are we here?
2: Yeah. So to, to that last question, I'll start with that. I, I think that it does stick around for a long time. I think we could be looking out to 2025. Now is it going to be a like right now it's a business, you know, it's like there are people who are like building bots and just kind of full time focus on farming. I think if the token goes lower, I think as we go along, kind of the amount that will be given, I think it'll start to look more like credit card points, you know, where it's like, OK, I'd rather pay with my credit card than cash. I'd rather use blur than another exchange because I'm going to get five, 10 percent back. Yeah, and I, I think you're going to keep getting that credit card point factor where it just it is enough to sway people to use blur or. You know, uh, I I think you're going to keep like their 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 map, which doesn't isn't very specific, but it it looks out like two to three years of community tokens going out to people who do the things they want. So Derek will certainly have more thoughts on this, but that that's one of. That's that's kind of so I think I think it's going to be around for a while. The other thing I'd say though, and I think that this is important because I've done a little bit of of airdrop farming just to understand it, um, is that a lot I don't think it's that economical, but I think people see it as a game. Like it's it's a huge dopamine factor, and you can see how many airdrop points you get every five minutes. So you start, you know, refreshing and seeing like, is my bid, cl- you know, what, what gets me more points? And it literally, it's just like a video game at some level where you're seeing your points go higher and higher, you know, for, for bidding more and more. And I think there is like an addictive factor. People are hmm. putting tons of money into it right now, even though we have no idea what the economics are. We have no idea how much a point is worth. We have no idea how much listing rewards are. We don't know what gets you listing rewards. They don't tell you how many you get. We obvi- We don't even know when the season ends. It's only like an abstract drawing that gives us that idea. Obviously, you have no idea how much blur will be worth in four or five months. So it is really hard to get systematic here. But I think people find it fun. Like, like I said, every five minutes you see, you see number go up. And that's kind of what dopamine is all about. Derek, what what do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Sam has hit a lot of astute points. My view is um my view is like if it wasn't blur, it was going to be some other marketplace that attempted the same thing. And what we're seeing is Incentives to get liquidity into a single place, and so right now, the people that are uh, you know acting as like let's call them market makers, so people who are buying and trading NFTs and able to farm Blur tokens, uh, like for like these rewards, they're they're stepping in and playing a role that very sophisticated actors play in traditional equities. My view is that over time, the folks that are casually playing this market making role will be replaced by folks who are actually professionals and have been doing this for a very long time um, and have the setups and have the understand the risk profile of every entry of every exit. But my view is like structurally what Blur has done is incentivize a very tight bid ass spread inside of one single place to allow the like uh, to unlock like this liquidity that has never really existed for very specific types of NFTs which is large set collections and i think that is just going to continue to persist there will be something like blur if not blur doing this for decades to come and my view is like what the the market participants in playing that role will slowly become more professionalized as time goes on and things get more optimized but the casualties today are a result of those professionals not really being here or folks that think they might be professionals and understand the risk profile of every entry and every exit um, not really having like the tools or the skill set to really understand how to how to be a professional market maker
2: the other thing I'd say is like I, I... I don't want to like, I'm not positioning what I'm saying as negative towards blur. Like I think negative blur is just a reality of the marketplace right now. And I'm just trying to understand what's going on there. Um, You know, it's the thing that is unique about blur, which is very, very hard to repeat is that they have a $1.6 billion market cap that they can use to get people to do what they want. And that is very hard for another player to do. And when you do that, like I, I ran the numbers on airdrop farmers and kind of across the board, every single one of them is losing money. You know, so and and it can range from Machi Big Brother, who's down more than three thousand ETH, to these to to everyone, kind of two through fifteen, who's down somewhere between fifty and two hundred fifty ETH. But that's okay because you know that there is a one point six billion dollar market cap that is incentivizing you to do these things, and that's going to fill in the other side. You know, and then there are other things like it was a great thing, I guess you could argue that people got to get out of trades they didn't want to be in. You know, if someone's holding. You know, that liquidity was provided for people, you know, one of the reasons that these farmers are down is because royalty payments are so high, you know, the, the the royalty rate is only half of 1%, but Machi Big Brother's done something like 30,000 trades, you know, so uh, the royalties add up. You know, that's been money that's kind of gone from the token to projects. Like there have been positives here. You know, I'm not I'm not saying this is all negative, but I do think that what is hard to replicate is just how genius Pac-Man has been in building goodwill and getting people in the community to like what he's doing. And that is why this this token has a market cap of one and a half to two billion dollars. And he has the ability to kind of create these situations which are very bizarre, but but which are pretty, you know, certainly having a huge impact.
1: I'm curious though, Sam, when you think about that market cap, I mean, that's the fully diluted versus available supply that's out there. So you're, you're kind of extrapolating that out. And also, you know, how deep is that? Well, like is, is we, it doesn't matter what the market cap is if there's no, if there's no cash to back it up on the other side, right?
2: Well, I think they're giving out 10% to this season, you know, so that's, you know, depending on where that, I don't know the exact numbers and Derek would know better or someone, I know that probably if it's not public, then. but I I guess what I mean is,
1: is like, if, if someone were to take, you know, let's just say a quarter of a million dollars in blur and dump it on the market right now, how much impact does that have on the actual price? Right? Like how many, like, what, what is, what does that bring us to? Does that cut the market cap in half it's like, been a very it,
2: high beta token, you know, so it went from, you know, it, it's been, a yeah, it, it went from like 120 down to 48 cents, you know, but then when ETH started pumping kind of a, after SVB news started to appear to be positive or, you know, or, or even before then, you know, blur went from 48 to 70 cents. So right now it serves mainly as just like a high beta proxy to the crypto market. But, yeah, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. It's very hard to have a prediction for where this token goes. Yeah,
0: yeah. Good, good combo here. I'll also say, just in general, like this is very specific to a certain class of NFTs, a certain category, which is like these large collection, um, these large supply collections that have always had a feature of just people trading at the floor or thinking about the value of these things at the floor. Um, so I, I, I would be remiss to not point out that there's a whole other market that's continuing to develop outside of the activity that we're seeing in Blur and an example would be like the fine art and like the one of one crypto art space and we're seeing a tremendous amount of activity over there that's not on Blur but still signals that there is like a you know a a, a bu- buyers and sellers are you know, meeting in in these markets outside of Blur as well and so like i i it just one i yeah. that i think is important to point out is um you know, a uh, uh, Robbie Barat, one of the lost Robbies, was sold yesterday to a collector, a very um prolific collector, Mr. Seven O three, for almost half a million dollars, two hundred and sixty ETH on super rare. Um I know we've talked about the lost Robbie's on this podcast. Can you share a picture of that by the way? I don't have it up. Who who did
1: who did it get shared to? Who did it get sold to? I'll pull it up. Uh, it got
0: sold up, it got sold to Mr. Seven O three. And actually, let me see. This might be the link from the Super Rare sale that you might actually be able to click on. Amazing. Um, okay. But yeah, I would say, like, there's all, I mean, we've talked about the Los Robbies. I mean, for just to give a quick primer on that, in, back in July of 2018, Super Rare was like two months old, uh, and Christie's was having a tech summit in London. And they asked Super Rare to put something in the gift bags for like the 300 attendees that were going to be at this Christie's tech summit. Uh, and there's this great piece uh, written by Zach uh, from the Super Rare team, and so uh, Jason Bailey, Art Gnome, and Robbie Barat uh, partnered together to create these 300 AI generated nude portraits for the events. And each of these 300 uh, frames were tokenized separately and put with a redeemable ETH gift cards with directions on how to claim these one of one tokens on Super Rare, um, and something like you know, 30 people or 40 people, um, ever claims, you know, Robbie Barat was only 18 at the time. Um, and his work has gone on to influence a lot of AI and GAN work that's been done in our space and elsewhere. And so, um, they they called like the unredeemed pieces of this collection that were put in these gift bags at Christie's, the lost Robbie's, uh, because like, we just don't know where they are anymore. Uh, so these things have become incredibly scarce. They're like one of the first markers of both AI art and crypto art in general. Robbie Barad, I think, was the first ever artist on Super SuperRare. Um, Kevin, I know you're a collector of, of Robbie's work. Um, and Robbie actually, you know, for being so influential, hasn't minted in, uh, gosh, four or five years at this point. He's done. He, he dropped out. He said he's never coming he back. He said he's never coming back. And so, like, there's this huge just, you know, momentum around... The Lost Robbies and Robbie Broad and his early work as a pioneer of crypto art. And so, the this collection in particular, Lost Robbies, continues to sell at uh, high high amounts. And we, we just saw another print yesterday uh, for almost half a million dollars to Mr. 703.
1: Yeah. So, think about where we are right now with AI art and prompt based art. And now go back just a couple of years, right? Well, let's say this is, uh, well, it's more than a couple of years now. It's 2018. Um, and this is, the best AI could do for a nude portrait. Look at that. Compared to what it could do today. That's just insane. Yeah. Like that just shows you how bad the tech was back then, right? It was like the GAN GAN was just getting started. What's so
0: awesome is we know that to be a certainty because of the provenance of this token living on the Ethereum blockchain. And this is the beauty of some of this early work is like, it, it really is like the official marker of how AI has continued to evolve uh, over time because we have these prints on the blockchain um, where people are minting, people are buying, people are trading. It just gets back to the fact that we have this beautiful technology, this trust minimized database that stores all of this information. And um, we're able to actually go back in time and and see the history of of this stuff, you know, four or five, six years ago.
1: Yeah. Look at this one here. This is the um, landscape painting. Number one, um, which is just, it's its so kind of eerie and, and just beautiful. I love it.
2: What this did you say was that, total supply, Derek, of the...
0: of there, the I, I believe 300 were created, and I don't know how many have ever been redeemed. Um, I I think it's under 100, but I also could be wrong about that. Things may have changed in the last 6 to 12 months as things have been... I think you
1: can sort by collection here. I can tell you in a second here. Um, no, that's not the way to do it super rare uh sorry no hate um yeah i'm not sure how to sort by just because because you can pull them up here in his entire history i could count them manually but these are them right here right yes, but there's no
0: exactly I they're don't, all I don't numbered think there's a perfect all way. the frames are numbered and i think somebody in the comments will be able to tell us i mean i know two years after three years after only 12 had been um redeemed and i know more than that has happened since just as like the space has gotten more important people like go through these gift bags from years ago trying to find like dig through their house to find this stuff um but i but i do think the number is still quite low and nowhere near that 300 mark
1: gotta say these aren't my favorite visually (laughs) but uh i do love the story yeah The the story is amazing
0: the story is very compelling
2: Very cool. Just so another yeah, I mean, example of something we've talked about before, Derek. Just the idea that provenance and history and yes. value is something that so often happens by accident. Yes. You know? And here we are. Yeah. Here we are again. We'll this, this, is a, this
0: is a great example of that point you made uh, like a month ago, Sam. I'll also say uh, it's not just this where I mean, uh, I'd love to get uh, your guys' opinion on this, but um, I'm, I'm also seeing bids for some of like the Grail generative art stuff as well um we're seeing drops continue to sell out we're seeing um i mean i'm seeing the floor of punks both in eth and usd start to melt up i picked up a punk a few hours ago or right before we started recording let's go let's go there it is is. (laughs) um so sam (laughs) what what are you what are you seeing in the data right now dude
2: Yeah. I mean, look, the punks got on to blur and the past week you've had 30,000 ETH of volume. You know, a lot of that is recycling and kind of blur airdrop farming. But at the same time, the floor since they got on has gone from 63 to we're pushing 70. So this is, you know, we've been in the 60 to 70 range for almost like nine months. It's the most range bound activity I've ever seen for an NFT. And it's not even close. It's been been something nine months since CryptoPunk floor made a 10% move over a course of a week. For perspective, Bored Apes have never gone 50 days with, without making a 10% move over a course of a week. And we're seeing that melt higher. I think that's kind of where it stops though, right now. Like we, there are a lot of, there's the occasional big sales, um, but broadly speaking, I think things like I think it's just a quiet period, I'd say, for things like Chromie squiggles. Uh, you know, you're starting to see some ringers, some gazers, kind of sell a little bit lower than they have in the past. Mm. But I'm like looking at this stuff day to day, you know. So I'm like, well, you know, not much volume yesterday. I'm, I'm a, I think I'm almost too micro. But when I, when you look at the big picture, I think you know, you had such a huge run in generative art and 4Q in the fourth quarter of 2022, and it's been a little bit flat to kind of trending to a touch lower recently. But you know, I think one of the interesting things is this auction, you know, Starry Night. Starry Night. That Starry Night portfolio has more than three months supply of ringers, autoglyphs, a bunch of other stuff. And then there was that big autoglyph sale, which uh, Curated bought an autoglyph for $500,000, which was one of the biggest autoglyph sales in 18 months. That just happened two days ago. So a bit all over the place. I think one thing that's kind of interesting is like, no matter what the bear market is, high end wine always has a bidder. Mm-hmm. I, like, and I feel like there is like in our space too, like there is, you know, maybe those prices go lower, but you still have awesome sales to talk about at the yes. very high end. Yeah, I, I think like at one tier below, we are starting to see, yeah, a little bit of a of a trending lower, but nothing all that bad. You know, it's
1: still. Steady. I still love a good hoodie. The hoodies hoodie are bonk. awesome. Yeah, they're so good. They are it's awesome, just, and and they're so damn expensive, though. <laughs> Look at this; There's still three hundred and seventy k for a, the the floor hoodie, and that guy's not that good. If they
2: were cheap, Let's you wouldn't the want them, Kevin. If they were cheap, you wouldn't want if them. If they were half as much, I might. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it's just like there ridiculous.
0: you go. I think what's what's uh, Sam. This just gets back to your point um, about you know high end goods during periods of crisis. I mean, I think it gets back. So, certainly agree with what you just said, but I always get back to this point where these economies around some of these collections are so small we're just we're not talking about that many units we're talking about 512 autoglyphs we're talking about 10,000 squiggles we're talking about 10,000 cryptopunks and we're talking about 300 lost robbies I mean there's not that many of these top tier Grail collections that act as showing points for collectors when you think about the total adjustable market of people who are going to want to store value in some of these things. Um, so I, it's not, it's not shocking to see that, like, we, we, we continue to see these bids over and over and over again. Um, even given like the, the wild volatility of of our space.
2: Chromy, squiggles, punks, and autoglyphs. All roads, Derek trifecta. All roads, the holy
0: trinity. They
1: all lead back. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well. What else? We uh, we covered the big sales. I think we've covered pretty much everything for this this episode. Yeah, this yeah, was a good was one. I think we
0: covered a lot. We covered state of play. We covered SVB. We covered oh man, just the all the the, the wild
1: last seven days. So I feel like this was. So where do, where do we go from here in terms of like where does this any predictions on because uh, this has been a bumpy road? Like, if we're honest with each other right now, like, what the hell has been the last few weeks been, right? Like, yeah, it seems it, it's a little, you know, it's, it's, it's reassuring to see some of these big sales. And, you know, there's this like kind of flight to quality. Uh, Derek's holding up the punks market single handedly by buying that punk. Let's go, dude. So, Put it you on know, my as back. As long as you just keep buying <laughs> yeah, exactly. long term
2: buyer on the outside, one know at what a time. Talking about. No problem. <laughs>
1: just one <laughs> punk at a time but what but what what has to happen for something to change? Do you think we've bottomed out, Sam?
2: Like, what what are you seeing? Here's what I think is interesting in the market right now. And I think there's so many, like, there's such a great narrative for Ethereum. There's such a great narrative for CryptoPunks. But in the past few years, we have seen these just really kind of be liquidity proxies and risk on proxies. You know, it's like when the Fed is super loose, like, you know, Punks go from, from, from 40 to 150. Like, and then when tightening happens and the global economy starts to tighten a bit, we, we saw some contraction there. Right now, now, Now it feels like there's a story about the world being shaky. And Ethereum being a go-to asset in a shaky world—the narrative that we we hoped would hold up and didn't—it feels like it's starting to play out a little bit. Like CryptoPunks as a great store of value when Silicon Valley Bank is uncertain about your U.S. dollar deposits, a, a, you know. And we're seeing, and we saw that, you know, it was you know we saw before the bailout happened, or I don't bail out's the right word, but whatever it was happened, where deposits were guaranteed, you already saw Ethereum running because people were like, man, this. This fiat system has there's a lot of chinks in that armor. Let's put our money in crypto punks. Let's put our money in Ethereum stuff that we know is going to be around. You know, and I, I, I'm very curious to see if we can get a bull market in our space and crypto assets and some of these kind of longer longer standing NFTs uh, because that narrative's working out.
1: Yeah, there's always been this promise of a, a decoupling of of what's happening in traditional markets and traditional finance with crypto, or or if anything. A, it's it's supposed to work in 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 opposition to those markets, and I, I feel like when we saw all the banks tanking that day, I remember seeing ETH up, and I was like, "Whoa, this is the first time I've seen this." Like it, previously, if the markets were having a really bad day, we'd see you know everything be down, right? Like is is that what you're talking about more or less, Sam? Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's if if that trend continues, that's really fascinating. Now we have a because there's always been this promise that you know. Bitcoin is the "quote unquote" digital gold or whatever, right? And gold is what the what people tend to or traditionally have kind of like you know bought up when when times are um, uncertain. So this is a I, I, I love seeing that chart. I, I, I obviously don't want to see the banks or the banking system collapse, but um, but it was it was nice to see the ETH did not collapse when the banks did. You know, yeah. Although USDC depegged.
0: We're back, baby. We're we're back. It's it's USDC is on a bull run right now. I think I saw it. One oh one earlier nice. this week, so we're we're, we're, we're melting up. faces out here. No, but I yeah again couldn't agree more. Uh, ETH as a store of value, ETH denominated digital objects as a store of value, like that narrative continues to persist. I wrote a whole piece about it for moments like this. Uh, I'm very comfortable in um, in stuff that I know has no external dependencies or as little a few external dependencies as possible. That lives on, you know, one of the most secure blockchains on planet earth. Um, so that's why we do what we do.
1: One question for you, Derek, this may be a little bit of a slippery slope, but do you at all get nervous when your rails for on and off ramps for those currencies are under attack? Like, you know, we see banks going under that actually facilitate people getting in and out of these currencies.
0: Yeah, it's a... It's something that I'm thinking about, especially with the Silvergate news. Maybe we can devote a little bit more time next week to talking a bit about this. But um, you know, I I ideally would love to see the U.S. taking a more welcome stance on towards you know the on and off ramps to blockchain based rails. And it feels like they're taking maybe a bit of an opposite stance right now. I think that will do two thing. I think uh, two things. I think eventually, you know. Uh, Capital will flood towards those things that are censorship resistant and seizure resistant and exhibit store value like properties without external dependencies, which is why we're all here. You know, the assets that we talk about often on this show exhibit many of those properties. But at the same time, for this technology to have the impact that I think we all know it can it needs to be you know regulators and legislators really need to look at this in and, and open arms and 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 work with this technology in meaningful ways instead of trying to curb it um and so i would really like to see a little bit more thoughtfulness from um the powers that be both on the regulatory side and the legislative side in the us to start being very thoughtful about how they want to approach it approach on ramps and off ramps and not
1: throw the baby out with the bathwater in very misguided yeah. ways well said. All right. Uh, two quick little housekeeping things. Follow at Proof Podcasts. Uh, this is where you're going to get the release notifications for 100 Proof, uh, our profile series, Sam's uh, Proof NFT Daily Countdown. All, it's, all it is is just notifications of new podcasts. So it's a great way to turn on those notifications and you'll get all the latest and greatest um, had, uh, dinner with the CryptoPunks founders. Uh, they listened to Sam's, uh, NFT daily, uh, every single day nice. to keep up with the latest information, which was an awesome, awesome thing to hear, um, which was great. Uh, And then also, uh, we had a a, a recent drop that we did with Pace Gallery uh, with with an artist, uh, uh, Mika Tajima. It was um, called Archive of Feelings drop that it sold out, went really well. And uh, we're having an event um, this Thursday, March 23rd for Holders. Uh, here in los angeles you can rsvp through token proof if you want to come out and hang out Um, and if you hold one of those nfts you don't have to minute if you bought even if you bought it off the secondary um, you can just rsvp and we will see you there for that event on march 23rd all right great episode great episode gang talk soon All right. That is it for this episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you would like to help us out, head on over to proof.xyz and click on the reviews button at the very top and leave us a five-star review. Thanks so much. Take care.